This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, this is an early one. This is beginning of my Met fandom, but maybe the worst free agent signing in the history of the franchise. And that is the firecrackering man himself, <laughs> Vince Coleman. <laughs> Vince Coleman is known for throwing a firecracker. Literally. That's what he's known for. Brett Saberhagen is known for firing bleach off at reporters. I mean, that early 90s New York Mets in a nutshell. But what made things really, really bad for Vince Coleman, and let this be a warning, Vince Coleman was signed as a replacement. Remember, after the 1990 season, a year in which the Mets won 91 games, by the way, their big free agent was Daryl Strawberry. And look, we look back on this all these years later, probably one of the biggest mistakes the franchise ever made and a real turning point in the franchise's history was letting Daryl Strawberry leave. But they did. He signed with the LA Dodgers, the rest is history, and the Mets at the time knew they had to do something. They had to go out and replace him. And there's a lot of examples of this throughout baseball history where you lose a premier player and then you run out and try to sign a free agent thinking that that's going to cure things, that that'll make the fans happy. The Yankees had it happen to them when they lost Robinson Cano. They went out and signed Jacoby Ellsbury. We know how that worked out. The Red Sox lost Mo Vaughn, very popular guy in free agency. They replaced him with Jose Offerman. The Mets lost Darryl Strawberry and they replaced him with Vince Coleman, which if you look at Vince Coleman through the lens of today, you would say to yourself, why are you signing him? Mets signed him to a four-year, $11 million deal, about $12 million deal, to be fair. And Vince Coleman, on the numbers that we look at today, was never that good. Like, had a very, very low OPS, did not draw walks, struck out a lot, didn't hit for that great of an average, had absolutely no power whatsoever, but there was one thing he did really, really well. He stole a crap ton of bases, an amount of bases that we can't even imagine today. In his rookie season, when he won the Rookie of the Year in 1985, pretty good year for the St. Louis Cardinals, wouldn't you say? He stole 110 bases. We'll never see that number again. He led the league. He stole 107 bases in 86. He led the league. He stole 109 bases in 87. Another pretty good year for the Cardinals. It led the league. He stole 81 in 88. Led the league. Stole 65 in 89. Led the league. And finally, in his last year with the Cardinals, stole 77 bases. Led the league. But you have to figure, 
at 29, 30 years old, his legs are going to eventually go. He's not going to steal 90 bases. Those numbers are going to go down. And if he's not a great hitter to begin with, what the hell do you think is going to happen? So here's what's sort of funny about Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman's OPS, which I admit, that's one of the numbers I look at immediately. His OPS with the New York Mets was better than it was with the St. Louis Cardinals. And you think to yourself, what? Yeah, because he wasn't that good with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was overrated. He was buoyed by the fact that he stole a billion bases. So when he comes to the Mets and he hits 255 in his first season and he has a 674 OPS, those are basically the numbers he had in St. Louis. Here's the difference. He missed half the season and stole 37 bases, which isn't bad when you consider it's half the season. If you double it, that's another 75 stolen base kind of season. Comes back in 1992, misses half the season. His stolen bases are now down to 24. And then in 1993, he's on the worst team money could buy, and he also misses half the season. So Vince Coleman's problem was that, A, he wasn't that good to begin with, B, he never played, and C, you were asking him to replace Daryl Strawberry. He was nothing like Daryl Strawberry. And oh, I left this out. Vince Coleman was a complete asshole, right? So when you factor all that together, that was a really, 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 really bad free agent signing in the history of the Mets. I, 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 the, the only thing I really remember about him is the firecracker. That's all I remember. And it was him and who else? It was him and somebody else that was it. There was somebody else that was with him that was there for the yeah. firecrackers. I so can't remember I, who if, it was. If memory serves correct, it wasn't a teammate. I think it was Eric Davis. Yeah, was it? I think it was. I oh, think no, it was. No, now no. I'm going to look this up right now. I'm going to Google it as we speak. Vince Coleman, Eric Davis. Wait, and they threw it in somebody's car. I, I think that was the story. It Mets was- Coleman <laughs> flips firecracker. Three fans injured, including a one-year-old girl. Yeah. So here's the story. The Jeep Grand Cherokee that he threw it out of was being driven by Eric Davis. <laughs> Vince Coleman and Bobby Bonilla were passengers in the car. Oh, another jerk. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Injured in the blast, according to reports, was an unidentified one-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. Oh, my God. What the? Yes, I remember. My father scared the crap out of me with the story. He's like, "Can you believe?" I remember this. This story I remember so so well because my father was so pissed. He's like, "Could you believe what these morons are doing?" And that's why Bobby Bonilla. When you go back to for, to you put you add him as a wor- uh, part of the best free agent signings in Mets history, but the negative cloud around him was part of the reason why we don't like him. He was a dick. Yeah, yeah, and the t- the team was awful. I mean, I think that always adds to it when you're just on a really, really bad baseball team. And that was a really bad baseball team. And he barely played, and he wasn't good. And like you said, he was a bad guy who had a lot of bad publicity. And that's really what led to it. But I think it's a lesson for teams. When you lose an icon, don't force it. Don't try to sign someone to replace them. I mean, you got to sign probably multiple guys if you're losing an icon. Uh, Speaking of icons... We got to get to Kazmatsui. I mean, how do we not get to one of the great... <laughs> now, we consider him a free agent, even though he came over from Japan, right? I mean, that's... Oh, a... he's a free agent. Yeah, definitely. He's 100%. a free agent. So, uh, there, there are a few and reasons... And he's terrible, why... too. So, he's definitely... 
<laughs> part of this yeah. list. There's a few reasons why Kaz Matsui really balloons up this list. He signs a three-year, $20 million contract from Japan. Uh, this is not that far removed from Ichiro Suzuki coming to America three years earlier. And it was when Hideki Matsui was coming over. And Hideki Matsui turns out to be, you know, not necessarily a Hall of Famer, but had a really good career in America and had a really good career on the other side of town. And here are the Mets, who did not have a great history of signing guys from Japan. No knock on you, Suyoshi Shinjo, but you're not Ichiro. He comes over, he's 28 years old, and he's the reason Jose Reyes is moving to second base. Granted, at the time, Reyes is a prospect, so we don't know how good Jose Reyes is going to be. But for Reyes to move over to another position, the assumption is, boy, this Kaz Matsui guy must be really, really good. And our first impression of Kaz was fantastic because all he would do in his Met career was hit opening day first pitch home runs. He had like this incredible knack for hitting home runs right out of the gate, which I never fully understood but he did it. He did it in Atlanta to open up that first season he had of 2004. I think he did it again in 2005. Like he always did it in the brief time he was a member of the New York Mets. But immediately, you could tell he was not a shortstop. You could tell. You watched his range. You just watched him, the eye test. And you said, what? Like how, how is this guy the shortstop? What are they doing? And I guess if I have to give the Mets any kind of credit was the fact that after that rookie season of 04, in which he wasn't very good, I I don't know what our expectations were, but they were certainly a lot better or a lot more than what we got out of him. He had 270, but seven home runs, didn't steal a lot of bases, 720 OPS, and again, crappy defense at shortstop. They immediately moved him to second base. It's like they knew. They said, all right, we... We have to admit we're wrong here. Let's move him to second base. And believe it or not, his rookie season was the best we ever saw from him because he missed a lot of 2005. And when he played, he wasn't very good. He played a little bit in 2006 before they finally dumped his ass. And then he bounced around the majors, actually played the major leagues for a while with the Rockies and the Astros. But I think what makes Matsui bad are two things that have nothing to do with just his mediocre numbers. A, the fact they moved Reyes to second, and B, the fact that Hideki Matsui was one town over, and we saw how the Mets seemed to do really bad at picking players to come over from Japan. And that led us to looking at Kaz Matsui as a punchline all these years later. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, uh, I remember when Reyes got moved over, and that, that, was, a, that was a laugher right there. And I, it's funny because you look at how many home runs he hit in total, uh, and and that was the exciting thing too. Like you look at like a, a, a shortstop that we had previously, Ray Ardonias, who waited till September to hit home runs, right? So you're like, oh my, God. this guy actually hits home runs early, and then they still have the same produ- productivity as far as power wise goes. So it's like, why we can't win the shortstop position? You just can't find a, a shortstop that's going to be productive with power. So I think that was frustrating. And again, you're you're right. Like the sexiness, the sexy appeal of like, ooh, so we we getting somebody from overseas. It's gonna work out. Totally backfired and it was frustrating. It was. Let's get to the grand poobah of crappy free agents. And that, of course, was the four year sixty-six million dollar contract that was handed out to Jason Bay. Jason Bay. I heard uh, a while back 
that Colin Cowherd, the famous TV and radio host of Fox Sports, actually blames the Jason Bay signing on all of us at WFAN. That, (laughs) and by the way, yeah, so Colin Cowherd said a while back that sometimes bad teams in New York listen too much to sports talk radio. He's not crazy with this point, by the way, so I'm not here to actually make fun of him. I think he actually makes a lot of sense. And he gave a specific example that he was living in Bristol, Connecticut during this time period, the time period of 2009, 2010, and that sports talk radio essentially bullied the Mets into signing Jason Bay. He is not wrong. He really isn't. First of all, I do think WF fans had power over the years. We've always talked about the Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike Piazza trade, but I do think that ownership listens. I think that ownership listens to the fans, and the best way to listen to the fans is through WFAN. And look, I think there are other ways they listen to the fans, whether it's Twitter nowadays, or it's podcasts like this, or it's uh, social media in general. I do think there are owners in this town, Woody Johnson, John Marrett to a degree, who have listened to what the fans wanted. And I was on the fan during this time. Joe and I were doing middays. And what I recall about this free agent period was that the Mets were obviously coming off an abysmal 2009. And there was a demand. You've got to spend money. You've got to add a big free agent. And there were three big free agents at the time. John Lackey, Matt Holliday, and Jason Bay. And Joe and I debated it. Because Joe had a preference and I had a preference. And I'm not saying this to make Joe look bad. Joe had good reason for this, but he wanted Jason Bay. And a lot of people wanted Jason Bay. And their reasoning, again, real sound. I I, I didn't expect Jason Bay to come here and suck. But the reason why Beningo specifically wanted Jason Bay was what had just happened in 2009. Remember, a year earlier, the Pittsburgh Pirates finally traded Jason Bay away and they traded him to the Boston Red Sox. And he goes over to Boston and very productive to close out the 2008 season. And then in 2009, has maybe the best year of his career. It's 36 home runs, drives in 119 runs, has a 921 OPS, and proved to us, this was the consensus, that guy can handle New York, he just handled Boston. And who could argue with that, by the way? That was Beningo's big point to me. And my point back is, Matt Holliday's better. And his retort, fair, we'll never know the answer to this. I don't know if Matt Holiday can handle New York. I don't know what Matt Holiday is outside of Coors Field. He'd only played one year out of Colorado at the time he was with Oakland. I prefer Jason Bay. And my response is, I prefer Matt Holiday. And John Lackey was an option if you just wanted to go all in on starting pitching. So I thought it was a fair debate at the time. I thought it was an even debate. I was not hating the idea of signing Jason Bay. That would be me faking my history. Like, I was not against it. I had a preference for another guy because I thought the guy was better. Simple as that. But guess what? Matt Holiday wasn't only better. He was, uh uh-oh, more expensive. No! He's expensive! And you know what that means. That means the Will Pond say, no, 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 no. Let's Matumbo finger that one. Let's go get Jason Bay. And the Jason Bay thing took forever. Francesa came on the air. The Mets are going to sign Jason Bay. It took like a month and a half. And then they finally did sign Jason Bay. And it was met with excitement. 
But Met fans were demanding. Like, Cowherd's not wrong about that. We as a radio station were demanding a big move. Again, maybe not all of us were saying Jason Bay, but we were all good with Jason Bay because there was no reason not to be good with Jason Bay. Look at his career. Look at what he did in Pittsburgh. Look what he did in Boston. He was a consistently productive player. He went out. He essentially played every day for the most part. Pretty much. I mean, his career to that point was 150 games a year. And why would we be against it? So while I thought Holiday was better, I certainly wasn't against Jason Bay. But this goes back to something I said earlier in the podcast. You don't want to bring back the X. Jason Bay never played for the New York Mets. But remember, Jason Bay was in the New York Mets farm system. Jason Bay was acquired in a very nondescript trade deadline deal in 2002. He was. And then the Mets got rid of him. Actually, they traded him away in a nondescript trade deadline deal of 2002. They had acquired him in March of 2002. So he was only on the Mets in their farm system for a very short period of time. And he was traded numerous times. He was traded by the Expos to the Mets. He was traded by the Mets to the Padres. He was traded by the Padres to the Pirates before he finally put together what was a really solid major league career. And then he became a Met. And boy, did he suck. And we could talk about the concussion and falling near the fence in left field at Dodger Stadium. Here's the bottom line. Jason Bay lost it as a player. Now, why did he lose it? I have no idea. Was it because he was 31? Was it because he finally got paid? Was it just that his skills diminished? Was it really that injury, even though he was struggling before the injury? I have no idea, but in three seasons with the New York Mets, he played 288 games. He hit 234. He had a 687 OPS. He had 26 home runs in his entire Met career. He had hit 36 the year before. And he sort of became the face of that 2010 to 2012 malaise that the Mets were in. Terrible, terrible contract. Terrible free agent signing. You Did you want Jason Bay at the time, or were you in favor of something else? So, it's a double-edged sword. I did, but he wasn't my first choice. I wanted Matt Holiday. That was the guy I wanted. And I just looked back to double-check to see when they signed. Jason Bay signed with the Mets before the Cardinals signed uh, Matt Holiday. So, I think at the time, I was excited because... I didn't care which one they got. I think I thought I was going to be happy, but I did think I I, bel- I did want Matt Holiday over Jason Bay. But I liked J- Jason Bay since he was a pirate. So I listen fantasy baseball. I was heavy into fantasy baseball at that point in time. So he was always somebody that I drafted on my fantasy baseball team, and then went to the Red Sox. I was like, oh, this guy's even better again. Like he had a dip. Don't get me wrong. Before he went to the Red Sox, he did dip. So I was a bit concerned, but I wasn't that concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to be concerned. If we're being fair, I mean, it's easy to sit here now and talk about how crappy he was, but going into it, I was excited. Going into it, the Mets added a really productive player, and it's it's a reminder that sometimes you just don't know, and sometimes there's no evidence coming into something that things are going to be this bad. There was no evidence whatsoever that Jason Bay was going to come to the New York Mets and be terrible. Nothing. 
Nothing. You could just be the most negative fan and assume bad crap's going to happen, but there was no evidence to support that. So separating the guys we mentioned earlier way back when at the beginning of this pod, Oliver Perez, Gilkey, Castillo, Cespedes, George Foster, guys that they acquired and then re-signed, put them aside. Of the free agents they added from another team, my Mount Rushmore would consist of Jason Bay, of Vince Coleman. Have to put Vince Coleman there. Jason Bay. And the Vince Coleman thing, again, like I pointed out, it's not like he became a bad baseball player. He was never a good baseball player. So it's different than some of these other guys, but I still put him up there for the reasons we laid out. You're trying to replace Daryl Strawberry. This is your big move. Pathetic. The firecracker stuff. Just he became the face of a bad time in Met history. So I'm putting him there, even if he doesn't fit the bill as a guy that fell off the, the rooftop. So I'm going Jason Bay, Vince Coleman, Jed Lowry, because he never played, and Roger Cedeno. That, to me, is my Mount Rushmore of putrid, pathetic, disgusting Met free agent signings from guys coming from other teams. How would you line it up? Um, I think it's interesting, but I'm going to go a bit different than you. I think Jason Bay's a no-brainer. He has to be on that list. I think everyone has him on his list no matter what. Uh, I, and I do believe that Jed Lowry is up there as well, and I think we should do a side pro- project Jed Lowry po- podcast from now on, by the way. and or, or either that or have Jed come on. Hey, can you explain to us why you decided not to play for the Mets? Just, just let, <laughs> I just want to know. And that's it. Just hang up and listen. Um, I'm going to throw Kazmatsui on there because, again, the nature of who he was, what we did, how we rolled the red carpet out for the guy who – just sucked. It was just terrible. Again, he wasn't a bad guy, but the over uh, production uh, to bring somebody in to go outside of the major leagues to go to a different country to bring somebody in who just was just that bad, and that's typical Mets. And then finally, um, oh, this is tough. I, I think I'm going to go Michael Kadire because there was a promise with that, which ended up leading to good things with Cespedes and that 2015 for it to work out as well as it did, but to start out with a Michael Kadari signing and to not really have much hope. That's why I wasn't able to enjoy the 2015 ride as much as I did because it just felt blah. It never felt like this was a real contender. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. It's a fair Mount Rushmore. It's a depressing Mount Rushmore. <laughs> but that's it. We, we had to go to the bad. You can't have a free agent list of good and leave out the bad. If you missed our podcast on the greatest free agent Mets signings, if you need a cleansing after listening to some bad, bad baseball over the last hour, you can go back in the archives and check that out. Any comments or opinions that differ from us, obviously we expect that. You could tweet at us or you could email the pod at the Rico B at gmail.com at the Rico B not at just email the Rico B at gmail.com. Hopefully you take a shower after this podcast and you cleanse yourself because hopefully there are no more awful free agent signings in our near future. Thank you for listening to Rico Brody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.